Welcome to the Elevate podcast. My name is Sarah Hopkins. And I'm Amanda Noga, and these are conversations to elevate your health, relationships, and soul. Today we have an episode for you that I'm so excited to share. It's an interview that Sarah and I did with naturopath and really all-round health guru, Heath Daly. But our conversation goes way beyond old school naturopathy we end up talking about polyvagal theory and quantum biology so if those two phrases are new for you then get excited because Heath is one of the most passionate and engaging speakers I know and he's really got me excited and inspired about health again and understanding why polyvagal theory is the key to driving our personal health forward but also the key to our human evolution. It's all about the nervous system moving beyond fight or flight, moving beyond rest and digest into this polyvagal state and why that's even important in the first place. He shares some really practical, simple tools that we can use to improve our polyvagal tone. And yeah, we just learned so much. So... You might want to grab a pen and paper. I know for myself, there was loads of times where I wanted to kind of press pause and go and look something up or research something further. We have linked as much as we can in the show notes, but I think you're going to be really inspired by this episode. Let us know what you think in the comments or on Instagram. We'd love to hear your thoughts and enjoy. Heath Daly, welcome to the Elevate podcast. Hello and thank you. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, thanks for being here. My longtime friend. I was thinking back to how we first kind of crossed paths and it was way back when you had the market stall for the Royal Kitchen. And yes. now it's kind of grown and evolved into something way, way bigger. But yeah, I remember yeah, even yeah. back then you were like always on the edge of health and, you know, the huge, I guess, broader context of what that means in terms of our relationships and connection to source and all this sort of stuff and constantly listening to podcasts as well. So we were like vibing on that love before podcasts, podcasts were a thing. Yeah. And love ideas, love interesting ideas, which is that that's the health game for me, you know, and sort of, and that's what a lot of them are. You know, their mm. ideas. Mm. And then a lot of us practitioners, we run with it, we take it, we find out, wow, this is, yeah, this is great. This is great. But it only really is working in this context and we have to shuffle this around first and there's hierarchy and there's things like that, you know. But, hey, it's the, the thing is stay interested, stay curious mm. and keep learning. And then you find, the, you know, that silver thread running through all these ideas and that becomes your, your, your health hack, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and that's a good thing. But, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about in the, in the, um, the health world, I think. For our listeners that maybe don't know you, can you share a little bit about your journey, for lack of a better word, or how sure. you got to, you know, what you're doing now? Your bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so my background is naturopathy. So I, I graduated from the academy in 97 um and was full full body like like was before before that I was it was a, I was a terrible musician couldn't <laughs> play well but wanted to be a musician and that was anything I was interested in but then I found natural medicine and that was my thing you know I, I got very interested in that and that was the only place you could study that was 
the Perth Academy of Natural Therapies at the time. And so studied that, graduated that, and then became obsessed with the concept of health, you know, and how we can um, grow it within ourselves and expand it and connect it together. So that was it. And then um, I was teaching at the uh, Endeavour College. It was called the Australian College of Natural Medicine, I think at the time, something else. But um, uh, and loving that, that was my favourite thing to do. And uh, long story short, from, from there, I met my wife and we were doing uh, public lectures and workshops together on uh, back then raw food and, and nutrition and things like that. And that started the raw kitchen, which was, like you said, it started as a trestle table at a market store. <laughs> you know, between green tiny, smoothies, tiny you know. Yeah, back then green yeah. smoothies were like. So exotic. Interesting. And like, yeah. Wasn't it? Like, and raw pizza. What? That was like mind Yeah, my own raw pizza. And that little shop. Yeah. Very. And trying to yeah. convince people that chocolate cacao could be good for you. Yes. That was really edgy at the time. It was really edgy was the chocolate. <laughs> but it was great times. You know, back, back, um, back then it was a new wave, an interest, and food became really interesting again, you know, for a while. Um, and it was great. So, so that's, but my, my whole thing's always been, yeah, like you said, studying, studying health, I like to study the pointy end of it, the new concepts, mm. but always lifestyle based. I'm not so really into nutraceuticals and all that sort of stuff. And I, I, I like it. I like to study it, but, um, it's not my main flow. It's not your jam. No. Yeah. You've always been on the edge and speaking of the edge you're now talking about and teaching about something that I don't even know what it is this <laughs> polyvagal theory so tell us more explain what it is and why it's important to us yeah I feel like I've turned into a cover band now I'm, like, <laughs> I'm teaching someone else's theory it's it's um Dr Stephen Porges um he's just a brilliant you know research scientist professor he's an amazing person and um it's his theory, the polyvagal theory, being the vagus nerve. Um, and it's all about the autonomic nervous system, uh, how it operates and, uh, and basically how it's driving health. You know, because in my field, right, as a naturopath, um, I fell down the endocrine rabbit hole, you know, and we, we, we just fall heavily into biochemistry and glandular stuff and adrenal burnout and, uh, you know, we're working that. And um, gets complex, and we work it, and we work herbs into it, and food, and everything else. But what became evident when started to study uh, Stephen Porges' theory here was that the autonomic nervous system is driving all the endocrine stuff that precedes it. You know what I mean? Right. There has to be a shift in the state of the autonomic nervous system, and then that shifts all of your uh, biochemistry into a um, a way that's going to serve. The environment you know and it's all based it all comes down to one thing perception of of safety you know and it's and i find it interesting because it's the nervous system is a hierarchical system and, and it's uh, evolutionary evolving from a reptilian state of just shut down and freeze and sedate and s slow down and just pull your head in like a turtle for survival and then into that fight and flight system where we can now we've got, we've got another option. You know, if we're, if we're under threat, we're just not going to freeze and try and act like a stone or not be seen. All of a sudden now the sympathetic system comes online and we've got the ability to either fight our way out of that threat or 
flee, you know. And then there was another evolution, uh, and that was the connection. We can. There's another way of being safe, and that's by connecting and and um, socialising and, and so forth. But that's where we need to get, and that that's the, um, the ventral vagal circuit of this parasympathetic side of the autonomic nervous system. And I've probably just lost all of your listeners <laughs> now because this is like, wow, this does sound like a boring biochem lesson, but it's not. It's we. It's it's telling us basically where we need to head as a, a populace, as a per- people, mm-hmm. and that's into a specific circuit of the autonomic nervous system where the drive is just to connect with curiosity amongst each other and um, and do amazing things. And in that state, your, your immune system is heightened, your digestive system is perfectly re- working and responding, and your, all your anti-inflammatory biochemistry is switched on. It's just, it's just amazing, you know, mm. and it all comes down to one thing. Do you feel safe? Mm. Are you perceiving safety in your immediate environment? Mm. So is there a way that we can dial it back to what the vagal nerve is and then yeah. why it is hierarchically more important than the um, endocrine system, sure. so to speak, and just explain that to our listeners because I think that would be helpful. Sure. So what's happening right now, and this is all happening um, below conscious awareness, the nervous system is constantly scanning the environment subconsciously for these signs of safety, right? Because it wants you to survive. So we don't have to think about it. That's the autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system is a two-part system. So you've got the sympathetic part of that system, which is just going to automatically respond with fight and flight. Your heart rate's going to speed up. It's going to turn off digestion. It's going to turn off the immune system. It's going to get you ready just to either fight your way out or flee. Most of us are always stuck in this stress response, right? And um, it destroys health, right? And then the other part of that autonomic nervous system is the parasympathetic system. And when that switches on, it's rest and digest. And so they kind of balance each other out. And the, the nerve that really pulls us out of this stress response and puts us into that parasympathetic state of rest and digest um, is the vagus nerve. It's the 10th cranial nerve. It's the longest nerve in the body. Uh, vagus for vagabond. It's the wanderer. It wanders down from the, the um, brain stem and it goes and innervates the viscera and all these different organs. Um, and that's where it's at. So this podcast, why it's relevant is because we've got a new language to focus on if we want health and longevity. And one of the first things we need to study and learn about is what we call vagal tone. And so it's the tone of this vagus nerve. Tone is in the same thing as a muscle tone or anything like that. Is it, is it well-toned? Is it healthy? And the vagus nerve, when in tone, will pull you out of fight and flight, out of stress, into a, a rest state quickly. You know, so there might have been a car, a near-on car crash, and it's like, whoa, and your heart speeds up, and muscles tense up, and everything goes into that guarded state of fight and flight. If you've got a good vagus nerve, high vagal tone, when that threat is over, you'll you'll come back into rest and die. And, you, and then this is your mind too. It's like an inverted uh, triangle. What's happening here? The, the information through the vagus nerve is the brainstem, and depending on what state of the nervous system is triggered, what parts of the uh, brain are recruited for operation. And, and when we're in fight and flight, it goes straight to reflex states and 
you know, the executive parts of the brain are shut down. Mm -hmm. So when we're under stress, we're not our smartest, we're not our most connected, anything. It's just pure mm. survival. Uh, whereas when you're in that um, vagal-driven uh, rest, you activate higher cortical thinking. You, you activate higher rational thought. You you look for connections. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. So it all comes down to vagal tone. And if we've got... A healthy vagus nerve it's called high it's resilience it's the ability mm -hmm. to bounce back from stress and come back to that place where you feel safe and you're connecting with people again and things like that so before we sort of go into the things that we can do which mm. i'm sure everybody listening definitely wants to know Absolutely. how they can improve their vagal nerve function and ultimately the release of those stress hormones and their mm. nervous system what sort of things, because you commented and I 100% agree with you that most people are definitely just running in autopilot of their sympathetic nervous system. Mm. So what sort of things do you think have created this monkey-like state sure. that we're all in, this survival state? What are, what are the things that uh, yeah, have and, sort of created this? And this, this is where it becomes interesting because um, it's, it's, our, it's anything in the environment that's triggering a lack of safety, right? Mm. And in, in the vagus nerve, it's interesting, the clues are all where the vagus nerve goes in the body and what it innovates. Mm. So one of the first thing that um, the vagus, where the vagus nerve goes is interesting is the orbital muscles around the eyes, mm. right? So right now we'll be in a group and subconsciously we're looking at the eyes mm. for facial cues. Now, if people have a soft gaze, straight away this information is coming back to via the vagus nerve into our central processing units, that's a safe place. The vagus nerve innervates the throat and tone. So if we have a slow melodic tone, this is setting information we're safe. Mm -hmm. um, the middle ear, so when we're safe, we can start to hear the, the, the subtle nuance of the human tone and, and we can hear human tones of compassion and things like this, more signs of safety come back in. Um, body posturing and all that sort of stuff. So all these subtle cues come in straight away. That's the first three. If you if you do an audit of all your friends or your work colleagues or the people, not you guys because you're yogi <laughs> master dudes and stuff like that, <laughs> but listeners out there, right? Like we start to look at the people that we're around and you look for these subtle cues because this is all what Stephen Porges coined neuroception. It's, 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 perception below conscious awareness so it's happening automatically mm -hmm. so if you have gruff sour people in your life that are always negative that have a harsh tone a negative tone and they're always frowning that is influencing your autonomic nervous system mm. whether you want it to or not so this is the thing we're at a point now when we start to really understand this theory that wow we need each other to co-regulate into this eventual vagal state where we really get to know what and who we are because the, the really amazing thing about this, when you find yourself always in this higher state of eventual, vagal, safe, connected, social, engaged state, you start to predict the future of your environment as long as it runs along rational lines, mm -hmm. right? So what does that mean? That means that you are going to feel really confident <laughs> in your life because if, if you can start mm -hmm. to predict where the ball is going to land on the tennis court or something, that just that gives you confidence. Mm -hmm. And now we start to really sink our teeth into the health game. What is it to be healthy? To be healthy is to have a clear mind, a state of confidence, a state where you're starting to predict flow. 
know what I mean? This, this is the higher level of health. It's not about having a, a blood report come back cleared of all chronic degenerative diseases. That is not health. Health, health is a state of flow, a state of connection where our spiritual body is engaging in our physical body and everything else. And, and so what else is happening? Why are we not perceiving um, safety. safety? It's the people around us. It's all the news. It's, it's a mismatch of genes and environment. It's things like um, what makes the vagus nerve really strong is sleep and, mm-hmm. and in living a life according to circadian biology. Mm-hmm. None of us are doing that, man. <laughs> you know? So this is, this is damaging the, um, the vagus nerve because we're all up at 10 o'clock at night looking at blue-lit phones and things. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going on. Like the the uh, vagus nerve innovates the microbiome, innovates mm-hmm. the gut. And we know that you know the infl- inflammation through the, the gut is coming back up. And so, mm-hmm. so gut health is, is playing a role. Um, electromagnetics electromagnetics it's huge role because we, it's just that's that's happening through the nervous system um always locked on you know so it's a it's a it's a many thing and then and then it goes deep because it's cognitive distortions it's you know um we're we're told that we perceive how we perceive the world is kind of set from the age of two to four you know we're really we're we're perceiving our environment in a certain way at that age where we're not even conscious of of things so mm. if we're brought up with aggressive people or we're brought up with redundant sort of ways of living that can cause stress in the body and and we don't even know it's just these belief systems and things so there, there's a lot there but it's it's um when we start to look at how we can improve vagal tone you start to see why we're all locked in this fight and flight but to in a nutshell and and paying homage to porges's work it's trauma it's trauma okay it's locked in trauma uh, which has not been worked out, and see, this is a hierarchical system. If you can't, if you can't flee or fight your way out of the trauma, you go into a dorsal vagal state, which is freeze, mm-hmm. right? And on a psychological level, that's disassociation, that's depression, that's disconnection, that's wanting to disappear, that's mm-hmm. wanting to be so small, so quiet that the threat doesn't see you. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening with people today. Mm-hmm. So many people, and everyone has a big dream in their heart. That's part of being human. Everyone has big mm-hmm. dreams. It can it can be destroyed in you from a young age because you can have parents or people saying you're you're useless, you're fat, you're ugly, you're no good, and they will never entertain the idea of their big dreams. But or even more subtle, like just being, I guess, exposed to excessive screens and yes. weird media when we're in that developmental stage being bombarded with like you said kind of like aggressive stimuli is going to have maybe a you know a less extreme effect than a traumatic childhood but yeah and it's all possibly not less extreme Mm -hmm. i would say I, i think i think um when we look at the fact that the the subconscious body, the mind doesn't know the difference between real and imagined. Right. Doesn't know the difference. And that's why hypnosis works. And that's why gratitude practice works. And all these things. Because it's, it, it doesn't matter. Whatever the thought of the perception is, that, yeah, that's having impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, I think we should circle into what the recommendations some recommendations should be because i think that will dovetail nicely into more health relationships Mm. and soul questions Mm. the theme of this podcast is 
elevating health relationships and soul so oh, we like perfect. to sort of tie yeah, yeah. tie that in and obviously we've been speaking more specifically health but mm. so with that in mind that we're all sort of stuck in this state what are some of the things that are the things that people can implement that mm. aren't because obviously like we've just said it's multifactorial mm. um, what are some things that people can do that don't feel overwhelming to yep. start to remediate I think if you're really into it, you start testing because testing is a way to make sure that you're actually getting traction and things. And, and the way you test the tone of the vagus nerve is by measuring heart rate variability, mm-hmm. right? Because the heartbeat is not a metronome. It shouldn't be like, dum, 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 dum. It should have variations. You mm-hmm. dum, 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 dum. The, the, the more the variation... The, the greater the vagal tone, the higher the vagal tone, the healthier you are. So you can measure this with a heart rate monitor mm-hmm. and then you can down a freeload app from Elite HRV and um, bang, get, you can measure your heart rate variability every morning. And that's a really good thing to do mm-hmm. because no, you know what it also does? If you, if, if you wake up some, some morning and you measure your HRV and it's really low, that's invaluable information. That mm. tells you, man, don't overwork today. Don't mm. overstress. Mm. Go easy on yourself mm. because you haven't got a lot of, you haven't got yes, a lot in the tank yeah. today. Yeah. yeah. So don't don't try and like have that mega big business meeting or try and just try. Hey. Yeah. So this this is all this predicting the future thing again. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's really handy information. Mm-hmm. It also tells you if you've got low heart rate variability, it tells you that your ability to recover is very low. Yes. And this is where all this research started with Paul just was on pre, uh, preterm babies. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It was right back then. He, he found um, low heart rate variability with um, preterms that weren't surviving, going down with infectious diseases and things, mm. strong correlate. So anyway. Um, because I know that there's things like heart math. Which I perfect. think is, yeah. Perfect. That, yeah. That, that, is, that measures heart rate variability as well. And everything that they do at heart math is going to strengthen vagal tone mm-hmm. as well because you're measuring the same thing yeah. when, uh, when you're there. So, so I would say if you're into that, you can measure it. It's really interesting to do. And, and then things that improve that heart rate variability are improving the tone of the vagus nerve, mm-hmm. uh, which is it's a good way to stay on track. But So... What about, sorry to interrupt you, but like meditation. Yes. Meditation 100%. can do the same thing. It is one of the many things that will, will start to strengthen it. So, um, but where it should start is with each other because this, this is one of the main precepts of, of this theory is that we co-regulate each other. Mm-hmm. So we have to become aware that there's two parts of this. One is a service part. If you're feeling really shitty really angry, really depressed and whatnot, that's cool, deal with it. But try and upregulate yourself when you're around other people because you'll bring them down by your tone, by your facial expression, everything else. Mm. And that, that's not cool. So the first thing we need to do is be aware of, of the physiology here. And we can tonify this vagus nerve and strengthen it by um, working backwards. So like with the meditations, why not just hack your meditation a little bit more and on the in-breath, do a big smile because that, that, that the striated muscles on the face are all innervated by the vagus nerve. And this is why flat affect of the face is a sign of really poor vagal tone. Mm. So, and, this, and what does it look like? It looks like a disassociated person. Mm. 
you know, the, and, this, and this is the other work um, Paul just did was on autism too. Autistic kids yes. have uh, a destroyed. Mm. Yeah, and then look at these kids. Maybe sociopaths and things. As well, exactly. Yeah, so, I'm like, thinking the classic mugshot is that disassociated yeah. face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. So, so you look at um, when you get into a high stress situation, the vagus shifts and you lose innovation of the middle ear. So, you can't hear tone. So, you, you, you can misread people. Mm. You can't read facial affect properly when you're in a heightened stress state. So you'll read no expression as the expression of anger. Mm -hmm. So you can see why letting ourselves get um, lost in anger or frustration or failing to forgive, all of a sudden snowballs because we look at someone that's really not got Mm. any skin in the game and Mm. read that as like, they're looking at me funny or they're, you know what I mean? It's really perpetuates perpetuates it. So we have to um, account for all of that. And and run it back. So um, when we're meditating, yes, smile, soften the gaze, work that nerve, mm. work that nerve. Um, toning, chanting, yoga journal um, research proved that om, um, chanting om had a far more heavier impact on the heart rate variability and the vagus nerve than any other syllable. So oming has been <laughs> vindicated <laughs> as, so like why not? Om. You can tone, you can sing it, and all these type of things that will tonify it. Um, and then the big one is breathing. So that's the big one because the diaphragm is innervated from mm. the vagus nerve. So that's the most controllable feature we have. So what we need to do is where's our breathing? Is it light? Is it just up at the top of the chest? Is that where we're breathing from? Shallow on top? Because that's sympathetic state. Ah, mm. oh, your first key. Because what we have to do is map. The, the terrain of the autonomic nervous system. We have to map that and know it. So when we catch ourselves in the sympathetic state, it's like, oh my god, I'm. It's good to be there, but you've got to, you've got to get out of there to the ventral vagal parasympathetic state. Often you should oscillate between the two, but live right. in ventral vagal, uh-huh. right? And um, and so like if your breathing is shallow and up top, oh, you're not engaging the diaphragm, so there's no vagal innovation happening here. So you're you're in a and then straight away look for your muscle tone too because that's another thing if you if you're holding muscle tension mm. ah I'm subtly stuck in a sympathetic state well guess what your digestive system isn't on properly mm. your immune system isn't on properly so you can try and do all the gut healing you want mm. my new take now is you're not high enough up the hierarchy you're too far downstream to mm. have a, an impact you might get lucky mm. you know. But my experience is, man, I can do the same gut repair program on, on 10 people and it'll work on three or four and not on others. And, mm. You know what I mean? Or not long term. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we have to look at these things because the idea of this whole thing is to map where we're at and make sure that we are knowing the pathways to get back to this eventual vagal state of, of social engagement and, and true rest, relax and things like that. Mm. So the toning, the breathing is a big one. So what do we do? We, we breathe. The out-breath must be longer than the in in. Mm -hmm. so it's like a simple count of five on the in breath and then at least six on the out breath because when you breathe out you engage the parasympathetic nervous system which is the vagus nerve when you breathe in it's the sympathetic Mm -hmm. nervous system and so the breath becomes very very um, fundamental we have to many times a day do a couple minutes of Mm -hmm. hand on belly diaphragmatic breathing to recondition ourselves is how you breathe it's all yoga. This is all totally. yoga stuff. I mean, that's this why... is music to my ears. Yeah. And I always kind of joke that at the beginning of a yoga retreat, we should do like a before and after. Mm. 
because by the I notice that every single retreat that I host by the end of the week or five days or whatever people's face structure actually mm. looks different mm. like their eyes mm. and their whole face is opened up and all of the markers that you're kind of explaining as yeah as markers of this healthy polyvagal you're exactly what we're doing in a yoga retreat like the connection connection, breath breath like literally every meditation and this is why i'm kind of semi-obsessed by this at the moment because it's a unifying theory Mm. it's a unifying theory and everyone in the sciences that's what we all want we want a unifying theory because it becomes a paradigm shifting thing and and because of this theory now everyone's turning around and looking at yoga and going wow this is a therapeutic Modality. It's not just yoga anymore. People that are aware of what's going on, this is a healing modality. Mm. You know, because it's because of what we know now know about polyvagal. It's like yoga is because the other one is like baroreceptors. Another way to tonify the vagal tone is by stimulating baroreceptors, which are these receptors through the um, through the body that that register when the head is lower than the heart. You know, it's like mm-hmm. so that's yoga again. <laughs> you know, all these inversions, all yeah. these posturings, where you're you're putting yourself. Um, playfully head below heart and twisting around and things like that but but with breath engaged with mind peaceful and mm-hmm. soft and what this is doing is strengthening the vagus because play is how you strengthen the vagus mm-hmm. as well because you're moving the body in, but the mind is in a state of safety and fun mm-hmm. so yeah it's very important all, all these type of things so the breath becomes very important retraining our breath and yeah you're right at the end of your retreats people would be healthier but they'd also be um looking better mm. because you're going to get better blood flow to the skin now and all this yeah. sort of thing of high vagal tone and you notice like they're hearing each other more yeah, clearly yes. they're yes. responding to like the relational aspect of being in that group people make these bonds in five days that last you know for years and years and years and it's always like so beautiful to see but now you're kind of giving me a context of why that's happening mm. This co-regulation thing is, is something that we really all need to reflect on practice and then and spruik because this this is what's gonna turn our world around. This is how we and evolve. We, this is it, you know. And we it's so easy to get knocked out of it. Because when we start to get right into this, we realize, well, we've got to study the, the cognitive behavioral therapists a little bit as well, because mm. they, they've laid down the ten main cognitive distortions that we all fall foul of. And that's the thing when you start to work out why was I triggered? You know, why mm. was I, you know, mildly traumatized by that? Mm. And it's because we had this all or nothing thinking, or we have this, you know, some other cognitive distortion unchecked. Mm-hmm. And then we respond to this is an unsafe relationship because you read something unsafe. All of a sudden you're in sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you've got a, a harsh gaze that mm-hmm. you're not aware of it. Mm. But then the other person responds to that. Now mm. they respond. It's all subconscious. Mm. We play games. Meanwhile, we are not connected, Re- really connected, you know, no. really connected. We're operating it? from that traumatized mm. state, whether that's from childhood or even like a past life or inherited stuff or whatever it might be. Yeah, and whereas we need to move through it and um, to, to, to give you a few more ideas of how we tonify the, the vagus nerve response to cold thermogenesis so this is why the cold bathing and the, the mm. cold showers ice baths are amazing and think about what you're doing too you're putting yourself into a very stressful situation but you're holding a confidence and a mental state of, of peace but then you're stimulating that vagus nerve you'll be going into breathing um, big, big thing. So you know, once a week, finishing a cold shower. If, mm-hmm. You know, you can start mm-hmm. there. Get mm-hmm. to the point where you want to kind of 
hit it almost every shower. Mm-hmm. And then, but now you will know what you're doing. You know, you oh, it's, gee, this shower's lovely. I'm so warm. Yeah, but we're going to finish with a shock to the, the vagus nerve whilst you breathe and then whilst you go, it's all good. It's only a couple of seconds. Mm. But what happens is that's a conditioning response there. Bang, you'll feel the nervous system shift rapidly. Yeah. <laughs> but then you start to control that. And what you're doing is putting that vagus nerve in the gym. You're making it stronger and stronger and stronger. Why is it important? Next time you get stressed, you're going to bounce back to this peaceful, calm, safe place really quick. Mm-hmm. Resilience. Mm. And that's what it's about. So, um, well, it's true. Like when I, when I started doing like the cold plunge thing, I would, I really hated it. And I would be in there being like, ah, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Um, but then I realized, of course, like if I breathe deeply, if I can just kind of self soothe in that way, I can stay here much longer. And it's, it's actually not a traumatizing event and it strengthens the nervous system. And, um, yeah, that makes, all difference yeah just and, and, that breath and and the thing i like about porges's work is he he's he they make it very clear that the the autonomic nervous system is never doing anything wrong it's not broken if you're depressed mm. you would think oh i've got a problem with my nervous system i've got this or that it's like no 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 you're locked in mm. a frozen state through trauma the body is doing that because it's preparing you for death because it's a tranquilizer this is the crazy thing so we can learn, we've got this inbuilt tranquilizer that we can utilize in our body and everyone would be going like, well, that's crazy. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to suppress life or tranquilize yourself? Mm. And it's like, because it's about dosage. If you think that there is no room in your life for a tranquilizer, man, you're, you're living on a different planet. We're heavily stressed and what, it's what they call the vagal break. The vagus nerve is always calming things down, calming things down. When the vagus nerve, the vagal brake drops off, you get rapid heart rate and you, you, your blood pressure's high. Everything's too like, ah, you're stressed. Mm-hmm. The vagus nerve just tones it all down and um, it can tone it right the way down. This is why it's called polyvagal because you've got the myelinated branch that goes up and then you've got the unmyelinated reptilian first ever branch of the nervous system that goes, innervates down and freezes us and gets us ready for the the death and and then like at the flow festivals explaining it like um gazelles in in the wild you know like when, when you're in africa in a savannah and there's all these gazelles then they're in the plane they're eating together they're all head down feeding and breeding and Aww. being safe together and they just but they're just always looking at each other looking at the pack mm. always looking at the pack because we're collected mm-hmm. you know as soon as one line jumps out and one gazelle mm. motions it, something that's not safe, bang, they all up. They're mobilized now out of parasympathetic into sympathetic and they bolt. Mm-hmm. They, all, they all run, right? And now this lioness will be, it'll, it'll single one out and it'll eventually get one gazelle. So now one gazelle finds its throat in the jaws of a lion. What happens to that gazelle? It freezes, it just goes limp. Mm. It now has switched out of, because it can't flee anymore, can't fight, can't flee. The nervous system has still got your back. This is what I love, this theory, right? It's still got you covered. Um, So now you're in the jaws of a lion. It goes into dorsal vagal parasympathetic state, and you go into a a freeze mode. You start to feign death, but your body becomes flushed with acetylcholine, which starts to act like a, a tranquilizer. Um, and there has been humans that have found themselves in the jaws of lions 
and have said it was profound. I just went into a dream-like stupor because they too <laughs> fell into this nervous system state of wow. freezing. And so here's the gazelle now. Autonomic nervous system still got its back because now it's getting it ready for a potential death by throwing it into a tranquilized state, a dreamlike disassociated state. Now mm. it makes sense. Mm. Should you find yourself there, mm. you don't want to malfunction. You want a transition <laughs> like that. But guess what? If that lioness makes a mistake and opens the jaw, that nervous system springs back straight away into fight and flight sympathetic and that gazelle will bolt mm. and fly away. Mm. Find the rest of its herd. And when it's safe, they'll all head down, feed, breed, and be safe again. And this is all the autonomic, system, autonomic nervous system is doing. It's, it's running us through these three different stages determined by the perception of the environment. Mm -hmm. It's always good. So how can that help us? How can the tranquilizer state help us? If you're feeling mega stressed or inflamed or in pain, through your breath, you can actually start to innovate the, the vagus nerve to the point where you drop so much acetyl acetylcholine in the system that that it um, it it's, uh, dilutes the inflammatory peptides and all the inflammatory cytokines and all like this. So it's an anti-inflammatory, a, a severe one. Um, if you're heavily stressed from emotional stuff or whatever, you can breathe this vagus nerve into a state where you can release enough tranquilizing type neurotransmitters, hormones, I saw calling everything else, to just find a sedate place. Mm. We need that sometimes. You know, mm. you, sometimes you need to be tranquilized. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not to the state where you're like, you're, you're disassociated. But so this, this is the beauty of it. It's, mm. it's, it's never right or wrong. It's just either out of context or in context. And, the, and the, the role for us now is to learn about this, learn that we can map what state am I at, what state am I at by my breathing, my facials, my tone, everything. And then learn our tools to get back to that ventral, vagal, connected, socially engaged space mm -hmm. uh, through breath, through tone, through just opening up your ears and listening again mm -hmm. and touch and things mm -hmm. like that. This is why the, the, the family and the friends and, and it's so important because you need this co-regulated tribe of loved ones around you that can mm -hmm. give you that energy, man. Mm -hmm. Like I had the Flow Festival after the talk. Man, I got a lot of love after that. And for like days after that, I was coming out. I was a buzz. Things that were like stressing me out before, which I wasn't even conscious of. I thought I was dealing with. But then, because of this new state coming back from the flow fest and stuff, it was like, wow, this stuff isn't, it's not getting online. I'm on a different channel now. So all of this googly goop stuff that used to be stressing me out is not even getting into the base station mm -hmm. and that's when i realized wow there's levels to this game i thought i was mm. pretty relaxed i thought i was pretty this and that but now i realize i have to body scan deeper mm -hmm. and any tension you just need to breathe it out mm -hmm. and connect with people again you know but we need to know how to connect as mm. well well yeah and i guess that ties back to what you're saying in the very beginning about feeling safe exactly Especially, exactly. yeah, it's with safe. each other. With each other, yeah. And I guess, like, finding your tribe is such a cliche little, like, Instagram thing, but it's for real. <laughs> it's for really for real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you have no idea how to find a tribe, then find a yoga school. Yeah. Start mm. there. Because as we've just said, we call it yoga, we call it whatever you want, but everyone's getting in there and just working the vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. It's vagal tone. Mm. So, um, and then those people, like you said, they'll come out of that session 
with higher heart rate variability, with higher vagal tone, which means the chances of them listening to you and actually connecting are much higher. So you've got a chance of getting some better yeah. friends there. Yeah. yeah, and there's cool, and the Heart Math Institute did a very, cool very study cool. on, um, you know, in an actual yoga class, people's heart rates, heartbeats syncopate and their breath syncopates with one another. And mm. there's that, uh, what do they call it? Heart coherence. Yes. Mm, beautiful. But something that comes to mind is like being on social media and being mm. bombarded with, mm. you know, stimulus that we don't really have, I guess, as much curation over. Mm. That's so damaging. It's it's more damaging than we're, we were aware of because, and this, this comes back to uh, the vagus nerve. If, if I was to criticize you, it's to be done in front of your face, right? So say if I was to, going to have a go at you, the way it works is that I'm doing it in front of you. You're seeing all my, you, you're seeing my facial expression, you're hearing mm. the tone of voice, you're seeing my posturing. There's a lot of information that goes along with that criticism, right? And you'll be able to assimilate that a lot better. Doesn't make, it doesn't make it nice, or whatever, but it makes mm. it natural. Mm. What's happening online now is people in the comment section or whatever, bullying or whatever online, is mm. happening through text. There's no, you're not seeing anyone, you're not looking in the eyes, mm-hmm. you're not seeing facial. And so what's happening according to the research is that is having a hundredfold effect on your mm. psyche. Mm. It's hurting a lot more. It's cutting a lot deeper because mm. it's, it's not a natural way of being criticized. And um, it's really interesting research, and it's it's not oh you're a sensitive person. It's like no, that criticism online it can be really soul destroying and harsh, and so people need to to be um, aware of that. That it's going to have a much uh, heavier effect on your nervous system and your psyche than just face to face. And I guess if you're in our generation and you have the context of knowing, okay, that's just social media. That's not necessarily mm. real, quote unquote. But if you are a kid or a teenager and that's mm. your first kind of engagement with feedback from the world and mm. criticism and then you're going to digest that as real yeah. right well kids are suiciding yeah at a much higher rate there's crazy stats that like certain nations that didn't have the internet within the 12 months of having the internet the suicide rates oh are like God. horrendously there's there's a direct correlation and so this, this is what's happening with our culture. This is what makes me a little nervous is that our technology is growing faster than our spirituality. Mm. And so we're getting these powerful tools, but we're still these stunted, emotional, <laughs> you know, we're, we're lost. We're lost yeah. without leaders. But we're tra- also, traumatized, exactly. And I think we're not like, you're talking about the importance of connection and, and mm. body to body and really reading each other's energy and facial expressions, mm. but that we're building communities online. Mm. So we're not getting any of that. Like no. putting aside all of the haters and the trolls, like people are trying to fulfill that, that connection side, that love side mm. digitally. Mm. So that, that, that that's can't be good for the vagal nerve. No, it's, it's just going down... Um, a rabbit hole that is leading uh, over the side of a cliff. Mm. You know, people, they're, they're, they're fooling themselves. It's like mm. uh, that they're, they're full of friends and they're full yeah. of this and they're, they're actually doing things. And don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of social media, I'm a big fan of all that sort of, of stuff. But we, we need to sort of um, take out. note because once yeah. again, look at the autism, right? What happens when, when someone has a broken vagus connection, right? Vagal tone is right down. 
they can't. Uh, one of the, the hallmarks of autism is they can't look at the eyes. They can't look mm-hmm. at each other. They, they have no uh, aversion of eye contact. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they because they are locked in sympathetic. I mean, you remember these kids? Their their um, amygdala, that that center of the brain that registers, you know, danger, danger, trauma. Like it is like much, much, much bigger than everyone else's, right? So these kids are they they their hardware is just mm. whack, right? They can't look at each other's eyes because they see they see uh, danger. Mm, yeah. that, that's the worst thing possible if you, mm. you, and that's why like a, um, a lot of people you know you go to a lot of retreats or you go to a lot of workshops and they, they do the eye gazing thing <laughs> the hardest everyone cries everyone cries it's so I hard can't. to do you know yeah, yeah. you're it's one about of the to get hardest emotional. things to make people do everyone gets so uncomfortable yes. but it's the thing that people take home the most can't hide it's so yeah. good yeah and, and it's like wow so if the vagal, vagal tone is down, if we're locked in sympathetic, you, you will avert looking at people's eyes. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the eyes, you are led into a, a reconciliation. It will happen. You must get to a point where you've got to forgive, <laughs> let go, or get through it, or shut. T- don't look at them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some, there's something mystical about the eyes. So, so this is an important part of it too, the, the eye contact and listening. Mm-hmm. Go hand in hand with mm-hmm. the heart. The the myelinated vagus that was is unique to mammals, that goes from the diaphragm up, connects the heart, lungs to the facial mm-hmm. features, the eyes. So just think of that. The heart and the eyes are connected through the vagus nerve mm-hmm. and tone of voice and the ears. The ability to listen, truly listen, mm-hmm. listen at a level that will get you connections, get you get you through an argument with your loved one and things like that. You know, we all know it's mm-hmm. listening. Mm. But can you listen? Speaking on most of the guys that are going to be listening to this, right? What happens to us guys when we are in relationship and we have a we do something stupid, <laughs> and then your partner? And this is not a guy girl thing too. It's either one plays this role or not. We have a big argument, and then they're forcing you to explain what you did, what you did, and you're getting to the point where you can't even speak anymore. You just go mute. Mm. You can't talk. <laughs> You're having trouble doing, and you think, "Oh man, I'm just emotionally retarded." Now we've got a theory. <laughs> no, you're you're like you. That part of your nervous system just went offline. You can't physically say anything at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does that mean? What it means is learn polyvagal theory. One of the first premises is that this is a hierarchical system. If you're at the base of the ladder in a dorsal vagal state of froze frozen state right you can't connect you're frozen you're disassociated you can't leapfrog the sympathetic state to ventral vagal to mm-hmm. connection you must go through sympathetic mm-hmm. you must go through that state. you must mobilize sympathetic state is a state of mobilization and so if you're disconnected or if like me in that when that argument with my my wife i can't speak i'm having trouble hearing her or whatnot i need to say hey I, i'm frozen at the moment i need to run around the block or i need to do some star jumps i need to mobilize you know totally. and i need to Go run flee. Yeah. <laughs> i'll come back and but then all of a sudden you've gone from that frozen state into a mobilized state now you have a chance of climbing up the ladder to ventral vagal and then you'll have a connection then you'll 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 work this out mm-hmm. it's a complete different state that you must experience to understand it's available to you mm-hmm. but to get and access that state You've got to be prepared and feel safe enough 
to let go of your fighting and fleeing. Right. And this is what's happening with a lot of men in particular. We're brought up with a gruff legacy of, of parents and grandparents that to be tough mm. is to be a man. right, yeah. to be man. So no emotion. No vulnerability. vulnerability. So you don't feel safe when you're starting to connect, so you sabotage it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's, so that, that's yeah. when it becomes... Uh, ironic when you don't feel safe in a safe place Mm. you'll bounce back to what you know which Mm. is just being that sarcastic Mm. angry person Mm -hmm. so um it's a it's a it's a game of smoke and mirrors sometimes Mm, yeah but when we come back to the practice you know it's like okay breathe slow your breathing down understand the vagus nerve it wants you to to sing (laughs) tone slow (laughs) down jump in an ice bucket Mm. do whatever you have to do (laughs) (laughs) eat some kimchi Yeah, there's so many examples. Do yoga. Do your yoga. yoga. Go for a walk. You know, just it's pretty simple stuff, really. Mm. Um, Is this healthy variance of the nerve? Is it something that we're born with, or does it kind of change over our life and our circumstance? Like, what's yes and no. So we're born with it. We're born unless you're unfortunately. You have something like autism or something where there seems to be a structural damage here. Most of us are born with a perfectly functioning autonomic nervous system, which means when we perceive a certain state, it'll put us into either one, right? Um, but trauma, <laughs> right? Trauma is a different story. Trauma locks us in either the frozen state if we think we can't escape that trauma or a fight and flight state if we think we have to just perpetually fight our way out of this constant threat. Mm. And so that's something different. And that's where it ends this theory and that's where it gets handed over to every practitioner and every health connoisseur because this is a unifying theory and we learn the language and they go oh this is where yoga works you start to um you can unravel trauma that's been somatized in the body by by getting into a, a group of other people that are breathing in sync and stretching in a certain way you know what i mean you can this is how we're unraveling this is why things like yoga are now being reclassified as a as a, um, a healing modality yeah well aside from the health benefits that are pretty i guess basic there's also the processing of your trauma exactly that are, you know in yoga we call it the samskaras but it's the cellular memory of all of the stuff that we've accumulated over your life and even like in vitro and exactly intergenerationally and that's why i say that's where it ends because the science has only got to there mm-hmm. we're still struggling to try and work out trauma you know yeah. how it gets laid down and how we can get out of it mm-hmm. but now with this theory we have a, a path we have to if we have to go through the sympathetic nervous system to get to the ventral you know mm-hmm. there's a way to do it and then as long as we can keep mapping ourselves we'll find out where we are and we keep returning keep returning to this dorsal state i mean ventral state and, and keep doing it so um you just got to do things that make you feel good is that what wim hof is doing is he yep. is he doing polyvagal yep. yeah part of the theory so he he's activating breath cold thermogenesis mm. and uh, calm mind mm. so he's doing it all mm. and and then look at what they had to rewrite the physiology books because of him mm-hmm. it turns out you can have some conscious control of your autonomic nervous system you can have some conscious control over your immune system mm. and things like that through the breath oh really is it is or is it through the vagus nerve it's through the yeah. vagus nerve we're okay. using the diaphragm and the breath to activate the vagus nerve yeah and then he's he's 
putting that on steroids by then jumping into the cold thermogenesis and they have a mindset and when you Wim Hof makes everyone feel safe through that process mm. if you've ever watched any of his stuff he's like you've got this mm. yeah. mm-hmm. and so yeah so that's doing it and then um, there's a lot of other things that wow this is working and for people if we look at it now through this polyvagal lens it's like oh of course it is because it's it's activating and toning vagus, the vagus nerve mm. so um like um chiropractic yeah 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 you can so have nerves impinged even it can be on that physical level as well mm. and touch and the interesting thing is that this is all buddied up with oxytocin which is the, mm. the bonding chemical yeah. funny enough stephen portis's wife was the woman that discovered oxytocin would you believe it or not oh in the lab God. yeah she's a genius as well yeah. yeah what a power couple <laughs> yeah. and they didn't know it at the time that their two research streams were converging oh, yeah. they had no idea and so now they do a lot of unified stuff because they've realized that this oxytocin and the, and the vagus nerve and everything else and connections yeah. is coming through wow mm. so we're coming up to an hour mm-hmm. um and i suppose if we possibly have time, there was one other thing that you wanted to riff a little bit about, quantum... Yeah, right. Yeah, the, so the whole quantum biology stuff, which I find interesting because it's, once again, it's not us, like, what herb do I need to take? What vitamin do I need to take yeah. to do this? That all comes later. Let's get our backyard in order first. You know, what state of the nervous system are you in? What cognitive distortions are ruining your life, your relationships, and all this sort of stuff? And then are you living in alignment with your genes and your environment? Meaning our genes were set a long time ago. They haven't changed that much. And they're built around circadian biology straight away. So first thing, if if you're not getting anywhere with your health, straight away forget everything focus on sleep mm-hmm. because as soon as you start to focus on sleep you realize that oh well i can't actually get seven hours of deep sleep if you're getting blue lit up at 10 o'clock or if you're not going to bed until really late and, mm-hmm. and things like this and so um this is all coming under the the um the quantum biology movement because it's all electromagnetic stuff it's all energy based stuff or at the very least it's all you know quantum what is the difference between, excuse my ignorance mm-hmm. on this, but so quantum physics, which I'm, I'm assuming there's some crossover, but yep. um, so quantum physics is more about how we can um, alter our physical realm with our mind or with potentially something that I suppose is intangible. Yeah. And, and there's more to it than that. But so how does quantum biology Yeah, and, then, and this, this is the problem because it's the big woo-woo component yeah, that sort of like exactly. scrambles everything. So yeah. if we keep it like, like um, you know, the a lot of the quantum language is in, is in wave form and all this sort of stuff, yeah. waves. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and this is where the, the, the spectrum of light from the sun is having impact on us. And, and, right. and there's a movement now going through where they're focusing on that. They're focusing on the, the various uh, frequency of uh, ultraviolet light, what effect it has on the immune system as opposed to, okay. you know, and, all the, and so it's all yeah. that sort of area. But it's also about the, the physics structure of water. A big thing in the quantum physics movement is water. So it's sort of um, to use people... It's sort of Jack Cruz exactly. versus Bruce Lipton. Like, uh, I'm not saying there is crossover there, but yeah. there's yeah, they're all sort the of same. specialties. And, it, like, Bruce Lipton's sort of vibrational energetics yeah. and Jack Cruz's Very water, electricity and magnetism. And, magnetic, and like, yeah. just 
what a light and magnificent. You're not going to get any sort of scientists debating a lot of his stuff. It's all hardcore science. Whereas, whereas mm. Bruce Lipton is is he's he's heading more to the more esoteric, esoteric and the yeah. And we need both. We, we need, need we need both. both. Yeah. Because, um, for example, the water. You know, on a quantum level, well, water's water. No, on a normal level, we think water's water. But then when we start to follow the quantum biology game, it's like, nah. There's we we want fourth phase water mm. right we want h3o2 which doesn't sound like much of a difference mm. but that's structured water um and it's structured by what it's structured by the sun mm. right you know and this this has a complete different effect in the body and it's also made by our mitochondria our mitochondria mm. pump out fourth phase water the difference between that is which is called exclusion zone water is that when that water hits a membrane or a protein in the body it separates charge into positive and negative charges, like millions of layers of this crystalline structure of a positive and negative charge, and that's a battery. So all of a sudden now we have a water working as a battery, holding charge, holding frequency at different states, and then it changes the whole game. It changes the whole game. All of a sudden now you're starting to pick up energy and, and things start to work. Viewers will be listeners will be thinking, okay, where do I get this water? Mm. Green juices, chlorophyll, you mm. know what I mean? Like just, just get the, the raw plants that you're gonna juice, green plants. They, they've been sitting in the sun, photosynthesis, sucking up the photons of the sun, and, and it hits the water, and it's fourth phase water. So if you juice that, you'll start to increase your fourth phase water. A quantum thing is like, there's something called deuterium, which we talked about a little bit at the mm. Flow Festival. Deuterium is heavy water, so that's a water molecule Sorry, it's, it's heavy hydrogen, sorry, heavy hydrogen. So it's a hydrogen molecule with an extra proton in it, which is like, wow, who cares? <laughs> well, when it comes to a quantum level of these electron pumps that, that um, innovate all the mitochondrial membranes and things, they pump electrons through. So if you've got an electron with an extra proton, that little bit of extra weight blows up the proton pump. So all of a sudden you've got mitochondrial damage, not making as much energy because of this. Does it have repercussions? There's science no one's talking about that, that can measure deuterium in the body and it correlates directly with people that can't heal from all mm. sorts of things. It doesn't matter. The higher the deuterium count in your body, in your water of your body, you, can't, you don't heal from cancer, from this, from that, whatever. Mm. That makes it really complicated. You could have an amazing program going down to recover from some chronic degenerative disease and it's not working. Mm. And it could be from anywhere from... Spiritual reasons, emotional stress, or anything, or it could be you're full of deuterium, and you would never know it. But mm. that that's just running a muck on your system, and it builds up. So where where is it found in in processed foods, in old foods? So the older and the more processed the food, the more deuterium builds up in it, which means the antidote is the fresher the food. Mm. You know, so fresh salads, fresh food. You don't have to be mm. a raw food person. No, but you know all this sort of stuff you depleted yeah. good gut health in in the gut lining there's these reverse um little um nano pumps that that suck the deuterium out of the gut lining and pump it out amazing so good mm. gut health all this type of stuff um is is big on it but to bring it back another big thing in the movement is the earthing so getting your shoes off and actually getting a bare minimum half an hour of your naked feet or body on the naked earth. And that earthing is pumping up negatively charged um, yeah, hydronides, mm. electrons coming up into your body working as an antioxidant. And guess what? 
it's the same frequency as an alpha state. It's the Schumann resonance. Mm. It, it's the same frequency as you at alpha, which is a slight relaxed daydream state. And does that have impact on the heart rate variability? Can we measure it? Absolutely. Mm. So if you want to improve heart rate variability, you simply got to get your half hour of earthing every day. And that's another quantum thing because it's Schumann resonance. And, mm. and But you know what? They, they, they In the cities, they can't measure Schumann resonance on the earth anymore because there's so much yeah. disharmonic... Yeah. You know. So much concrete. Well, think... Yeah, and, and bad... Not bad, but non-native EMFs yes. everywhere that is just that's blocking it. Exactly. When you say the water is like activated by the sun, mm. so in Ayurveda, there's a kind of I guess a, a a technique of charging water depending on what the person needs to heal from. Charging water in the sun yep. or in the moon, like in full moonlight. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about, or is it a bit different? Yeah, this is what happened in the lab with um, with the work there. Uh, they were measuring exclusion zones, so that's when they've they've got this fourth phase water, and it hits a it's a, it's a membrane, and it, and they, they can they can photograph it with electron microscopes, right? So all the molecules separate, right? And then one day in a lab, the lab assistant um, pulled a light over, just don't know why, and then he he they saw the exclusion zone increase dramatically. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then all of a sudden it was like, what? And then they, they started to do experiments and it was like light increases and grows ex- exclusion zones. So yeah, 100%. If you, if you put your water out in the sun, you're going to theoretically grow more exclusion zone solar and charge water. it up and, and solar power it, you know. So, um, so simple. It, it is. It's all about getting back to the simplicity of nature. And that's why my whole theme is know thyself know thyself as a expression of nature which mm. means you're circadian based you've got to worship mm. the sun if you worship a god make it the sun god mm. first it's the <laughs> god of the sun you know you worship that you live a circadian lifestyle for seven days see what happens you know yes. get on the earth touch the earth drink water breathe the air and connect with each other and then see what happens you know then mm-hmm. then we've got a healing on our hands mm-hmm. yeah that's beautiful. beautiful love it well, that seems like a good note to tie it up in a bow. Yeah, beautiful parting wisdom. There we go. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Elevate. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. For any further updates with me, you can come along and follow me at Instagram. I'm at, at Shopkins Health. And if you'd like to stay tuned with me throughout the week, I'm at yoga underscore alchemy on Instagram. And what we would love right now is if you can hit subscribe, leave us some stars, leave us a few words, any questions or feedback we love to read. So keep it coming and have an amazing day.